Hey, uh, we are really glad you guys are here tonight. Thank you for taking the time to come out. And um, we're going to start off uh, with this uh, little survey here, but I'm not going to try to explain all that to you. I'm going to have uh, Miss Shanti Feldhahn come back up. Come on up. She's going to talk to you. Can we welcome her, please? Shanti? Ready? She was here at the women's event back in January. How many ladies were at the women's event? Woohoo! Awesome. She's going to tell you a little bit about that survey you got when you came in. Okay, so we had such an interesting reaction at the women's event when I mentioned the 30-day kindness challenge that we decided to uh, do a little bit of research on this. Um, and so what we decided to do um, is we are going to just do real, a really, really basic questionnaire. You guys all have it in front of you. And I'm like... I was trying to separate the men and the women, and there's a couple of you couples that are cheating. You're like sitting, you're sitting next to each other right here in the middle. So if there's any way to separate so that your husband and your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend is not sitting next to you, I would appreciate if you would do that. <laughs> because there is no way to get around the fact that it has to be a completely independently taken questionnaire where your significant other has no idea what you answered. You can talk about it all you want afterwards, um, but we really need it to be, um, we really need it to be able to be completely candid. Um, so if you could separate to some degree, that would be helpful. Um, so if you could take, I know some of you have already started, it's probably going to take about another five, ten minutes, I don't know where we are on the clock, um, but if you could do your best at giving your honest and candid perspective on those questions, that would be huge. And then if you're willing, on the bottom of page one, put in your email address and we will email you a sort of a follow-up questionnaire in some period of time. I won't tell you exactly when because that would kind of destroy it, but um, not like in the next week or two. In some point down the road, you'll get another one of these, and we'd really appreciate it if you would fill that one out as well. All right. If you, are completed, if you have completed your survey and you would like to go back and sit next to your spouse or the person you came with, you are welcome to do that now. You, you're welcome you're welcome to do that now. Everybody move. <laughs> okay, guys. Yeah, so just take a second and switch seats if you'd like to. And um, while you're doing that, just in case you don't know, Sh Shanti is um, she is a Harvard-educated uh, analyst. That's funny. And she has taken uh, a lot of information and... Um, widely held <laughs> beliefs about it. marriage statistics and divorce statistics, like 50% of all marriages end in divorce, not really true. 50% of marriages in the church end in divorce, also not true. Okay, so she's got all that in her book. She's got a couple books out there for men only, for women only. And um, she's got a couple other ones out there that are really just eye-opening. So maybe afterwards you can check those out. But Shanti is a friend of ours. Um, she is uh, the author of several books, including the Life Ready Woman series. How many women are in a group that's going through Life Ready Women right now? Woohoo! Give me a woohoo! Yeah. 
So uh, she wrote that. It's awesome. I know you guys are getting a lot out of that. Anyway, I'm going to shut up now and bring her up here. Let's welcome Shanti again to the stage. She's going to talk to you about 30 days to a better relationship. Thank you. I am so excited about this because something very interesting came out of my time here in January. Okay, so I want to see the hands again. Oh, your surveys. We need to collect them. So if you have completed them, um, you can turn cast them. them. The them ushers over. are going to come down and collect them, turn them over so that people can't be cheating on checking out your answers. Turn them over. We're going to pass them to the left. Just pass them right down to the left, and your ushers will collect them. If you have not finished them yet, just continue to work on turn them over. as Shanti's speaking. We'll get them at the end, okay? Pass them to your left so your ushers will collect them. All right, cool, thank you guys. Thank you for participating in that, for taking it seriously. I saw everybody reading the questions carefully, really appreciate that. Of course, that might have been that the font was too small, <laughs> but thank you guys. Um, so, something really interested hap interesting happened uh, when I was here in January, and uh, do, at speaking at the women's conference. Now, let me ask for a show of hands again, how many women were at the women's conference? Okay. There was something I said in the middle of my talk when we were, sorry guys, we were talking about men. Go figure, yeah. And, um, and there was something I said that caused a bit of reaction. And, um, and I'll explain what it was in a minute, but it got me thinking about a need for this, and um, you guys have called it 30 Days to Better Relationships, which is an excellent title, by the way. Um, we are calling the challenge that is the application of this the 30-Day Kindness Challenge. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to back up, and I'm going to tell you a story of how this happened, how this came across, how I came to be on this stage talking about this here in January, and the reaction that we got. So um, about 10 years ago, I was, um, I had just released For Women Only, which, guys, just so you know, this is the book to help your wife or your girlfriend understand you, okay? <laughs> it is possible. <laughs> You're trying. All right, good. And, um, and I released this about 10 years ago, and I, was, I did a ton of radio and television on this because it really kind of hit a nerve because there was a ton of things that we as women just tend not to know about men, and we don't know that we don't know. See, you guys, you will say you are confused by your wife. Right? You will fully think that she is confusing. People would always say, if this is the size of the book about men, how big is the one about women? The Encyclopedia Britannica? You know, is it this big? Okay, this tells me that I'm old, that like nobody knows what the Encyclopedia Britannica is anymore. <laughs> okay, we got a couple. We got a couple. All right. Um, and, so, and so there was a lot of research that I'd done to help women understand men, and then eventually we did the men understanding women as well. 
But right at the very beginning, there was a lot of attention to this because there, there was basically some things that we just hadn't heard before. There was a way of looking at things that really hadn't been done in quite the same way because I was an analyst on Wall Street. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a counselor. I started out as just the average semi-confused wife. And I, I sort of stumbled over initially some things that I didn't know about men and was like, you know, asking them, you know, what they'd be thinking in certain situations. And as they were telling me, I'm like, seriously? Like, really? That's what a guy thinks? And that led me down this path of really uncovering some things and then doing a research project on it, realizing, wow, 78% of men said this or 82% of men felt, you know, this way. You know, this is sort of a, a, deep, a deep need of men. And so it hit a nerve. So I'm at a, um, I'm, I'm doing a radio program with Nancy Lee DeMoss. Anybody familiar, Nancy Lee DeMoss? Okay. So, and, and forgive me, some of the women may hear something that they've already heard um, this January, but I want to bring everybody up to the same speed. And, um, and we were talking about the fact that one of the things that I discovered about men is that their greatest need is to feel that their wife or their girlfriend respects and appreciates them and believes in them and admires them. And that that is so much more important than feeling that she loves them. In fact, we discovered that for a man, he, first of all, he kind of equates the two. He equates feeling loved and feeling respected. Like if you don't feel respected, how, you know, I'm not going to feel loved as a guy. But there's this element of really having this deep need that we women don't know is there, so much so that the guys said they'd actually give up feeling loved if they had to, if they could just feel that their wife respected them. That was the finding on the survey. And so we were talking about this on Nancy Lee DeMoss's radio program. She's an author, speaker, she has a, a big radio following. And it, it was a call-in show. And in the middle of a break, she put her hand over the microphone. She said, you know, Shanti, just so you know, I have, I have some hurting women who call into my radio program who are in relationships. They want to be happy, but they just don't feel, you know, quite as loved or there's a problem. And I'm going to issue something I call the 30-day challenge. I just want to let you know that I'm going to do this. And she issued this challenge, and I was like, okay, Nancy, my head is exploding. This is a great idea. And over the years, I've issued this challenge and adapted a little bit, done some research, and, and sort of tweaked it a bit. And so this is what I say now in every women's event where um, a woman will hear, women will hear that I say that, the greatest need for a man is to feel respected. And um, I inevitably, if there's a question and answer time, a woman will raise her hand and say, but what if, what if I don't? What, what if there's issues? What if I don't really trust him? What if, what if I don't respect him or feels like he doesn't, he, he doesn't deserve it, he hasn't earned it? And there's two answers to that question, and I, I always answer both of the answers to that question. The first is, and I always say, you know, the reality is that you are called as a woman to demonstrate respect biblically. If, if what God says in the Bible is important to you, we are called to do that, whether we feel it or not. Um, but 
And, and that's true. Just the same way that if you're not lovable that day, he's called to show you love whether you're lovable or not, right? It's the same thing. But there's another piece to this, which is that God wants good things for his children. And he doesn't necessarily, I mean, some people will, but to not, he doesn't want you to have to go through life kind of white-knuckling, showing respect to your husband. And instead, there's a mechanism that he gives us to be able, biblically, there, it shows up in the Bible in multiple places, there's a mechanism that he gives us to the fact that our feelings change. And so here's what I'm going to suggest to you, to this woman who answers this, asks this question, and I, I call this the 30-day kindness challenge. And I tell this woman, here's what I want you to do, you know, to this hurting person. I know this will be difficult, but for the next 30 days, commit to doing this. For the next 30 days, do three things. First, don't say anything negative about your husband. Don't say anything negative about your husband, either to him or about him to somebody else. Nothing negative. Not your mom, not your coworkers, nothing. How, don't tell them how he forgot the kids at school, nothing. And for the next 30 days, find at least one thing that you can notice and praise and affirm and appreciate about him and tell him and tell somebody else every day for the next 30 days. And for the next 30 days, the third thing is kind of optional, but we, it's, a good, it's a good add, which is for the next 30 days, try to do one small act of kindness or generosity for him. You know, something that will mean something to him. And just one little thing, maybe it's bringing him coffee. You know, one little thing. And it is absolutely amazing. As I started issuing that 30-day kindness challenge, we started to see the most unbelievable changes and transformations in people's relationship. So then we started saying, you know, we need to suggest this to guys too. You know, for guys who feel like, you know, there's issues in their relationship. And this is all, this can all be very one-sided. And so it needs to be adapted a little bit. But it's basically that same thing. Don't say anything negative either to them or about them. Find one thing that you can praise and affirm. And I love it so much when you do this. And do one small act of kindness. And what ends up happening is your feelings change. Um, we've seen this as one of the most important techniques. And this is the core to this idea. If you want a better relationship, and we've now seen it's not just hurting relationships that get transformed by doing this. It's also relationships that are just kind of okay. You know, they're not bad. They're okay. They get transformed. And relationships that are good become great. And relationships that are great end up having this amazing feeling in them because of what is going on for those 30 days. And during those 30 days, what happens is that a new habit is being built. And so that's kind of what I want to parse through really kind of quickly over the next few minutes is talking about what happens when you choose to, um, when you refuse to focus on the negative 
and say anything about it, and you choose to focus on the positive, what happens? Why is that so powerful? Um, the first thing that, that happens is what I already said, which is that God changes your feelings. Again, it's not just white-knuckling it through life, trying to, you know, sh trying to show respect even though you don't feel it. Yes, absolutely. We are called, guys, you are called to love your wife as Christ loved the church and be loving towards her even when she is completely crabby that day and completely unlovable that day. You are called to do that no matter what. Ladies, you are called to demonstrate respect to your husband regardless of whether you think he's earned it that day. However, as I mentioned, God also wants to provide us with the opportunity to change our feelings. Now, this comes, the 30-day ch kindness challenge, this 30 days to a better relationship, is an application that comes directly from one little passage in the Bible. And it's a great kind of modern-day application of this. Do you guys know... Um, in Philippians 4, the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in the city of Philippi, there's this great passage in Philippians 4 where Paul is commanding us to rejoice. Do you guys remember this? He says, rejoice. Okay, I'm going to say it again. He repeats himself. Rejoice. Okay. Now, push the pause button for a minute. Because just like someone says, well, how can I do this when I don't feel it? It's like, okay, Paul, rejoice is like, to me, it's a feeling of rejoicing. It's not, woohoo, <laughs> you know, right? It's, it's, I could choose to rejoice, but that doesn't kind of capture it. That's, it's not just an action. There's a feeling that comes along with it, right? So... Paul, dude, you're saying this, you're, while you're writing these words, you are in prison. He was chained to a wall. How do you rejoice in a prison, in a really difficult situation? How do you rejoice even in the middle of a difficult time at work? You know, this, we're talking about a lot of romantic relationship applications to this, but there are a lot of other applications to this. How do you rejoice in the middle of a, there's this conflict going on at work or at school where you feel like somebody's against you or, gosh, I just don't like that person very much. How do you rejoice in a difficult marriage? So Paul actually gives us the prescription just a few verses later. He says, okay, here's what you do. You think on whatever is lovely. You think on whatever is excellent. You think on whatever is honorable. You think on whatever is admirable. You think on whatever is beautiful, whatever is worthy of praise. And what happens is when you refuse to think on whatever is worthy of driving you crazy, even those very real issues that are very worthy of driving you crazy, and when you refuse to think about those, and you, instead you think on, you know what, there's all this good stuff over here. It's amazing how your feelings will change. And I'll give you a couple of examples of that um, as we go here. Okay, so what's another thing that happens when your feelings start, um, when, when you start focusing on 
the positive and talking about the positive and not focusing on and talking about the negative. So another thing that starts happening is you are now taking control of your feelings. You are running your feelings instead of letting them run you. It is a dangerous thing to completely follow our feelings and sort of say, well, that's how I feel, so that's what I'm going to do. I think we all know that that can get us all into a lot of trouble, trouble, right? What we often don't think through is the fact that that's not, that's, that doesn't have to happen. We often don't think about the fact that we actually can take control and take charge of how we feel and take charge of our feelings rather than letting them take charge of us and control us. How, how many of you saw the movie Fireproof? Any of you see? Okay, woo, okay. Um, so you guys remember, those of you who saw it, you remember the plot. There's a guy played by Kirk Cameron who wants to, he's having real marriage issues, and he, he really doesn't like his wife right now, and is seri they're seriously thinking about separating, they have all these issues. Some of you have probably been in that place. Maybe some of you are there right now. Maybe someone of you who knows someone who's in that place. There is a great line from the guy who plays his best friend. Maybe some of you remember this. He's the uh, fireman, right, the fellow fireman, African-American guy. And, he, and Kirk Cameron's character is telling him, I just don't, you know, we used to have this feeling of love, and I just don't have it right now. And this guy leans across the desk to him, and he's confessed that he's had this background where he wished he had not let his feelings take charge of him. And he leans across the desk, and he says, you can't follow your heart, because he'd been talking about following his heart. You can't follow your heart, because your heart can be deceived. You've got to lead your heart. And that's what we forget. We forget that our heart can absolutely be deceived. We talk about following our heart. We have no idea what we're talking about. It's like the hook that used to put in a cattle's mouth, you know, or a, a horse's bit and can, be, can leading, be leading someone without even necessarily for us even know that we're being led in that way. And it's, it has got to be that we say, absolutely, I am going to be the one. I am going to choose to lead my heart rather than having it lead me. Um, and when you, this is part of what happens when you try this thing. Now, trying it for 30 days with the big thing of not saying anything negative every day for 30 days, that might be difficult to do over the course of a year. But it is doable over the course of a month. And you start seeing how often you were critical. You start seeing, I had no idea that I said so many things to him, or I had no idea that I tell her so often, why are you doing this with the kids again? Like, I, I didn't realize that I did that that often. But when you're having to be honest with yourself about this, and because you're trying to do this for 30 days, it is powerful. And the benefit of leading your heart this way is that you become purposeful. How many of you have ever used Fitbit? Or a, a fitness band of some kind. Come on, anybody? 
You can raise your hands. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Okay. <laughs> How many of you have used an app to ever either a, a, not just an app, but any kind of a program to ever track calories? Whether it's a notebook, Weight Watchers, whatever. When you are tracking calories or you are tracking steps like Fitbit does, what happens? You start being more mindful of it. You just didn't realize that you kind of, wow, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't realize that I was actually putting so much cream in my coffee. I didn't, I, I didn't, you know what, I didn't realize that I was having three large cups of soda. You know, that's a lot of calories, actually. And you start being very aware of it. This is very similar. It's just a matter of awareness. And that is this really important piece of leading your heart. Um, what's another thing that happens when you refuse to focus on the negative and you focus on the positive? You have now found the secret to contentment, to being content in all things. You know how Paul says, I've learned the secret of being content in all things, in plenty and in want. And he goes on this whole list, I've found the secret of being content. When you do this, you will learn the secret of being contentment because it's awareness of something and it is a choosing to focus on the positive. And it is choosing very specifically to focus on something particularly positive. In Psalm 103, there is a great verse, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Okay, you guys probably know that verse. What is the psalmist doing when he says that? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Forget not all his benefits is a basically a way of saying, I'm reminding myself of what God has done in the past as a way of saying, I can trust him in the future. I'm calling to mind all these good things that God has done because I'm worried. Because there's a lot of, there are people chasing me, King David says. There's people who want to kill me. And there's somebody who wants my kingdom. And I'm a little scared, but bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He's always protected me, reminding myself of something that happened in the past and, and looking at something good is a way of changing your feelings about the future and trusting, well, you know what? It works the same way in marriage. It works the same way in any kind of romantic relationships. It works the same way in friendships. And it is absolutely imperative for us to try this and be purposeful about it. What are the good things that this person has done? Let me give you an example of something that changed in my marriage. I've been married. Um, we just celebrated 20 years. Um, I know. woohoo! And, um, <laughs> and, and something changed dramatically about... Uh, seven years ago, I was turning 40. I've just told you how old I am. I was, I was turning 40. And Jeff, my husband, he is such a good guy, but he is, he, he will be the first to admit he is not a gift thinker-thrower. Is that a word? 
We were speaking this weekend, and he told me I could tell you this so that when I tell this next story, you won't think he's some sort of a gift-giving paragon, okay? And he told, we were speaking at a marriage conference this last weekend, and he confessed to all the men in the room that he's done everything wrong and that when I was pregnant with our first child, he gave me Kathy Ireland's pregnancy workout video. As my Christmas present. <laughs> Guys, just a tip. Okay, not a good idea. Okay. So he, he said I could share that just so that you all wouldn't think that he's some, you know, gift-giving stud. You know, that this is something he, he loves doing he's really good at. So, but... He had been thinking for a couple of years before I turned 40, he had been thinking, okay, this is silly. I get her a gift card because he gets me a gift card. Like he just doesn't know what to get. And so he had been thinking, what can I do really for this one birthday? What can I do? That's just something better, bigger, thought through. And he got this idea. And now I really feel like this is something from God for us to look back on years later and realize that something very unexpected happened. He got this idea. And so without me knowing it, he decided every day of my 39th year, he would keep a journal, a journal entry of that day. And at the end of the th my 39th year, he would bind it and give it to me as my 40th birthday present. Yeah, pretty nice present, okay? This is why I had to tell you the Kathy Ireland video story. So you all wouldn't think that like, well, he clearly has it all going on and I can't ever do that, okay? So realize he's just the average guy, okay? So, but he got this idea and what I didn't know, I didn't know that any of this was going on. And I also, didn't recognize at the time, but our relationship was getting so much better. We had always had a decent marriage, a good marriage, but we had plenty of times when it wasn't particularly good. We had plenty of nights where we, one or the other of us slept in the guest bedroom or he would go stomping down to his basement office just because one or the other of us couldn't bear to sleep next to the person who we thought was supposed to love us the most and didn't seem to love me at all. <laughs> okay, you all probably have been there. At least some of you have. And so we had plenty of nights like that. We had plenty of conflict, hurt feelings. And I didn't really recognize it at the time, but things were just so much more peaceful. Like, you don't necessarily think about the absence of conflict, but that was what was happening. And we were enjoying each other so much more. And we didn't have hardly any of those times where he's just all upset and he just needs space and he needs to get away. And, you know, I as a woman, I'm like, ah, uh, are we okay? You know how painful that is, ladies. You know that, ah, uh, are we okay feeling with that feeling like nothing is right with the world until that is resolved? And just we weren't really having those times. And just our relationship was so much better. It wasn't until I was doing the research for one of the other books, which is this 
this book called The Surprising Secrets of Highly Happy Marriages. And I was, the last few years, this just came out, in the last few years, I've been studying what makes the happiest couples so happy. What is the secret sauce? What are these people doing differently? And one of the things that I noticed is they talk themselves out of being mad. And Jeff said, in other words, they change their feelings by focusing on something that's good about the other person. And Jeff said, you know what, I realize I did that. I didn't know I was doing it, but I did that. Remember your 40th birthday present? Remember that journal? And I said, yeah. He said, I was taking, a, you know, secretly taking, you know, going down to the office and typing in, you know, a paragraph about the day. And he said, and doing that every day. And then came the day that we had our first fight, you know, of that year that, we were, that I was tracking. And, and he said, and I had to decide, was I going to record it honestly? Or, or, or was I going to kind of skate over it, you know? And he said, I realized if this was going to mean anything, I, I kind of had to record it honestly, you know, what actually happened. And he said, so I was, and you know, and I'd be down there in the office, and of course it's that day, so I'm still all upset. And he, Jeff, he's one of four boys. He's the youngest of four. And apparently their method of conflict resolution when they were growing up was the silent treatment. You know, I'm just not going to talk to you for a couple of days. And so he brought that into our marriage. And so he'd be downstairs stewing about whatever it was that had happened and writing about it and saying, and this is what you did, and you said this, and, you know, and then we had this, and, and he'd finish the paragraph, and he said, I looked at it, and I thought, you know, so this is being preserved for posterity, and I kind of look like a jerk. <laughs> and, you know, what happens if our kids read this at some point? And, and so he said, I didn't want to end with, well, you did this, and me looking like a jerk, and this is what he was saying, and so... He said, so I would add a paragraph, and I would say, but, yeah, I'm frustrated, but that's really not fair of me to be that upset because, you know, you really are such a great mom, and you couldn't have recognized what would happen if you would do that. And, you know, you always take such good care of our kids, and, and you know, you, you really do. I know that you really didn't recognize what this would say to me or say to the kids. And by the end of the paragraph, he was talking himself out of being mad by forget not all her benefits, right? You know, forget, don't forget what she's done. She's, she's a good mom. And he's thinking to him, he's recording it so he doesn't look like a jerk, but he's recording, but true comments, hopefully, hopefully, where he's, he's saying, but think about this instead, and think about that. And by the end of the paragraph, he's kind of talking himself out of being mad because he's focusing on the positive, focusing on that one thing that he can praise or appreciate, focusing on that one thing that is excellent and lovely and worthy of praise. And by the end of that journal entry, he's just not quite as mad anymore. And he said, so he kind of was able to shake it off. And then the next day comes, you know, a week or two later, whenever it was, where we had another conflict. And he's having to do the same thing and deciding, is he going to be honest? Is he not? Okay, I need to be honest. And he writes it down. And then 
he says, oh, I'm going to look like a jerk, and, but, you know, it's really not fair because, you know, you really, you, all night you've been working on the book, and I know that you didn't realize that you were speaking to me that way, and, you know, you don't usually speak to me that way. You're usually such a loving wife, and he's writing this, and again, talking himself out of being mad. So he does this a few times, and he said, and then comes the day that we have a conflict, and I think, t- and I'm, re- I'm replaying what he said, and he said, and we, you and me are having a conflict, and as you're saying something that I'm starting to get steamed about, I think to myself, but she doesn't realize how she's coming across, and she's such a good mom, and I know she doesn't mean it this way, and so he stops himself from getting mad before he gets mad because he had developed a completely different habit because of that awareness. Now, remember, I didn't know any of this was happening. I had no idea. All I knew, and sort of only really knew in retrospect, was that suddenly things were getting so much more fun. And we just weren't having the same kind of conflicts as before. And we were just enjoying our marriage so much more. And neither of us could have put a reason on it until we were doing the research for the Happy Marriages book. And he said, that's it. That's what I was doing without realizing it. Now, you build a habit over the course of 30 days. Let me tell you what happens when you build the habit over the course of a year. It's permanently changed him. And by the way, you may be thinking, okay, that's fine for Jeff, but my husband doesn't have that kind of personality. My wife does not have that kind of personality. And when we were doing the research on what makes relationships better, one of the things that we were studying and being really purposeful to look at is, and I had to be honest, I'm a social researcher, I had to be really honest about what I was finding and really honest with myself. I was really worried that as I was studying what makes a better relationship and what makes the happiest couple so happy, I was kind of nervous that I would find that they're all just glass half full kind of people, right? I was worried that I'd find that they all just had, you know, temperaments that really worked well together. And or that, you know, somebody's got a particular personality type or whatever. And instead, it was actually really funny as I was interviewing the really happy couples. And I would always ask to try to start a part of that conversation. You know, are you a glass half full or glass half empty kind of, kind of person? And about half the people would always say, I would say I'm more of a realist. You know, because no one wants to say I'm a glass half empty kind of person, right? I'm more of a realist, okay? And so I was seeing that in the happy couples, it's not just the bubbly temperaments that can make a happy couple. But I kept getting pushback. Have, have, um, have any of you heard of the DISC test? The D-I-S-C? Any of you heard of it? Okay, some of you have. There is a very prominent temperament test personality test called the DISC, D-I-S-C, and it, it studies, it tries to categorize people in order to figure out what some of their dominant personality traits are, and it's a way of finding whether you're working with someone, 
whether you're married to someone, some of the personality types that you can understand, oh, well, you know, he or she has this or that, and that's one of the reasons why we're either interacting this way or maybe interacting in a, a negative way, and if we do this instead, it'll work better. So good, good temperament tests, good personality tests. I kept getting pushback from people who said, the problem is, is that if you have someone who has a temperament that's the D-I-S-C, the C, is sometimes referred to as control or critical. And it's someone who always sees, tends to see what could be improved, okay? It's someone who, I'm more of a realist. It's someone who notices when something's out of whack and wants it to be in whack and can be a little bit critical and judgmental. And, and so I had a lot of people push back on me and say, look, you're doing all this, this stuff, this is good, but someone with a high C, it's called a high D, high I, high C, Someone with a high C husband or a high C wife is never going to be able to be truly say that they have a really happy relationship because one partner is always a bit just really kind of critical. And I thought, wow, that's kind of a depressing thought. And, and so I was a little nervous about that until came the day that we decided as a staff over Christmas, my staff and I and our spouses all got these disc tests done just for fun one Christmas. Guess what my husband is? He's a high C. But he had learned a different habit that he didn't even know that he had learned. And as he puts it, it's so much more fun when you're not upset all the time, right? Talk about 30 days to a better relationship. I guarantee you, you start trying this, the results you get are going to be the best possible incentive to continue. Um, you, another thing that happens when you um, start focusing on the positive a lot more and refuse to focus on or talk about the negative is that you really will have learned one of the key secrets to making your husband your boyfriend, your wife, your girlfriend, or your friends feel very loved and cared for. Everybody needs affirmation, and everybody is insecure about things. And it turns out that when you do this, you're focusing on the type of affirmation that everybody needs, and the, the affection and the love and the appreciation that everybody needs, and you're, by refusing to focus on those things that are maybe very legitimate issues, but you're not focusing on them, you're not talking about them, you're not telling your mom about them, you're not telling your coworker about them, by doing that, you are going to be giving your spouse, your significant other, what they most need in the relationship to feel that this person cares about me. And you know what? If your partner feels in their heart of heart that you care about them, it buffers your relationship from a host of other issues. Because it's almost like a little bit of bubble wrap around the relationship. There can be other problems going on, but you know what happens when you go, uh-uh, I know they care about me. 
suddenly your relationship is so much happier. And you've built, you build up that sense in them, that certainty that you care about them, you can withstand a whole lot more shocks. Which leads to the final thing, that doing this kind of habit building, it will help you with one of the most important prerequisites to any happy relationship, but especially in a marriage. And that is to believe the best of your spouse's intentions when you're hurt. It turns out this is one of the most important things. You really can't have a happy marriage without this. You really can't have any kind of a happy, positive relationship without this. Which is when you are hurt, everybody gets hurt. The happiest couples have problems just like anybody else. But there's a difference in how you respond. So many of us are tendency is when someone hurts, something hurts us, we kind of think, ow, you know, he knew how that would make me feel and he said it anyway, okay? And without realizing it, you're thinking he doesn't care about me. Or guys, it's so easy, ow, nothing I do is ever good enough for her. And without realizing it, what you're thinking is, she just doesn't appreciate me. She just doesn't care about me. You're assuming subconsciously the other person doesn't care. The happy couples flipped that. And it turns out that one of the reasons that they often, be, so many of them had moved from being very miserable in their relationships to having these amazing relationships is because when that ow, hurt thing happened, they would stop themselves from thinking that and thinking, no, yeah, that hurt, but no, I know he loves me. I know he cares about me, so he must not have known how that would make me feel or he wouldn't have said it. And the, the men on the other side, a lot of the men might think, you know, nothing I do is ever good enough for her. I can't ever do anything right. No. Listen, I, I know she appreciates me. She, she must not have known how that would come across or she wouldn't have done it that way. She wouldn't have said it if she would have realized that that would make me feel so unappreciated. And suddenly, you're believing the best of your partner's intentions. And the beauty of this is that it is not wishful thinking. It turns out the vast majority of marriages, let's just specifically talk about marriages for a minute, the vast majority of husbands and wives deeply care about each other. The number was something like 99.37% or something, deeply care about their spouse. Even, by the way, even in the most troubled relationships, the other person cares, you have goodwill. But in order to have a happy relationship, you have to let yourself believe that the other person cares about you and that they have good intentions towards you, even when they hurt you. And here's the key. Here's the takeaway for this one. As part of this 30 days, if you decide to try this, when something happens, in addition to looking, trying to avoid the negative, look for the positive, part of the positive Look for the more generous explanation of your spouse's or your significant other's behavior. That thing that hurt you, just assume for a minute they weren't trying to hurt you. They weren't saying, you just can't do anything right. 
might have looked like she was saying that, but she wasn't. What's a more generous explanation? And you will almost always find it because that's almost always the truth, that the other person really does care. So that's a starting point for everybody. Um, what happens when you do this? And, and we'll wrap up in a second to see um, how you guys want to move forward with this. But let me just finish with this final story. What happens when you try this 30-day habit-changing thing to refuse to say something negative about your spouse for 30 days, either to them or about them to some, somebody else. You can talk about issues that need to be talked about, but you can't say it negatively. You can't use a negative tone of voice. No rolling of the eyes. And, 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 and yeah, somebody's like, really? <laughs> and, and ideally, nothing negative at all. Um, and finding one thing positive and telling them and telling somebody else. And one small act of kindness. What happens when you do this? So I was in Fort Collins not long after the book came out. And I was telling a woman who asked this question. I, but I don't respect my husband. It turns out they were almost on the verge of divorce. They had a small child. The divorce papers were in the works. And she stood up in a question and answer session. But I don't respect him. And I said, I'm so sorry. But let me suggest this. And that, you know, that was all, you know, I, you, I rarely find out what happened. Well, three years later, I'm down the road in Colorado Springs, Fort Collins a couple hours north. I was down the road in Colorado Springs speaking at a Focus on the Family event when, with a group, a big group of women, complicated thing, but they had as part of their event one of the, the days, they had a lunch with Dr. Dobson. You guys know who I mean by Dr. Dobson, right? Okay, head of Focus on the Family at the time. He's since retired. And in this lunch, they were asking Dr. Dobson questions. There was a question and answer time. And a woman stood up and said this exact thing, you know, but what happens if I don't respect my husband? And Dr. Dobson, with a twinkle in his eye, quite mischievous, he listens to her and he says, oh, yeah, that's a very difficult question. Um, I'm, I'm so sorry. Shanti? Would you like to answer this? I'm like, no pressure answering this in front of Dr. Dobson, you know. And, um, and I could tell he was like. <laughs> and, um, and so I just said, let me just tell you what I usually tell women in this situation. I explained the 30-day challenge. And that was that. Another woman raises her hand and said, can I say something? And he said, yeah, absolutely. She stood up and she said, Shanti, I don't know if you remember me. But three years ago, you came to Fort Collins and we were on the verge of divorce. And she started crying. And she said, I'm here to tell you I started it. I had no idea how much I was hurting my husband. I had no idea how critical I was. I had no idea how often I said something negative that hurt his feelings. And, and I had, that he was putting up a wall partly because I was hurting him so badly. I had no idea. And she said, I just... It was so eye-opening, and I started this, and then he softened because he wasn't having to protect himself, and he started being more loving and less critical. And she said, we canceled the divorce papers, we tore them up, we fired the lawyers. And, he said, and she said, we started seeing a, a coach and a mentor, and we have such a great relationship now. We've had another child, and she said, I have another one on the way. And, um, and she said, we have a great relationship. And it started with the simplest little thing. That is the promise for you guys. 
it's, I wish I could say it's a complete 100% guarantee. It's never in a fallen world. But try this. Whether you have a hurting relationship or a great one, try this and see what happens. Um, do we want to come up and talk about how this might work? Yeah, You guys thought I was texting over there. I was over there taking notes. <laughs> uh, one of the things you said reminded me of something Sherry said this past weekend. Kind thoughts lead to kind words, leads to kind actions, lead to kind habits, which lead to kind character. Mm. And then uh, this, I, I want to remind you, this, this doesn't, this, we're not just talking about romantic relationships here. Trust me, this works in other relationships. We have a 20-year-old and I have a <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, you have a mother-in-law, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I love that, too. Look for a more generous explanation. You know, we, we talk often, the way we say that is assume the best of the yeah. other person, right? And whenever there's a gap in understanding, you have a choice about what to fill that gap with, trust or suspicion. Fill it with trust. See what happens. Yeah. So what we're going to do, um, real quick, we're going to talk about how to sign up for the Kindness Challenge. You can go to our website, bridgechurch.cc, and under Upcoming Events, there's a place where you can click a link and go to a page, and you enter in your name and your email address, and you'll get a daily email, okay? You go to the website. You can go to our Facebook page um, at, on the bridge or the Bridge Goldsboro. The link will be there. Starts tomorrow. Starts um, tomorrow. Actually, if you've got the Bridge app on your phone, if you go to the Connect button on uh, the app, you can find the 30-Day Kindness Challenge there. Or for those of you that don't have any access to any of those things, you can write your email address on a Connect card and bring it up to us. we got a box up here for the remainder of you who uh, were finishing up your surveys to drop your uh, surveys in there. Write your email address on a Connect card and drop it in that box or give it to one of our ushers on your way out, and we will get you signed up can, for that 30-Day Kindness Challenge. Can we challenge. give them a second to just fill in a card real quickly if they want to do that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Go ahead and start the doing cards, that right now. Do you now. have the cards in front of you, by the way? Yeah, they have Connect cards in front in of In the me. front of you? Okay, yep. great. Except for you guys in the front row. You'll have to reach behind you. Take, take just a second and take a look at the card and think about whether you want to do this. And by the way, let me encourage you, if you're interested... Do it single-handedly, regardless of whether your spouse or yeah, what a great gift. I mean, you know, if okay, so maybe your your husband, maybe your wife, maybe your coworker, your friend, your boy, whatever, is not really interested in doing this or doesn't know anything about it. What a great gift to give to them, to just yeah. start walking this out and changing your habits and, and becoming a kinder person. Another suggestion, can I make a suggestion yeah. for this? Another suggestion as and so as you're thinking this through is if you want an absolutely unbelievable birthday present, Easter present, whatever it is, every day that you do this for this 30 days, as you do as you think through item number 2 where you find one thing that you can praise or affirm or appreciate about them, don't just tell them Write it down in a gift journal. Buy a little journal. Write it down every day. Get, get if you've got kids, get them to write wow. down yeah. something that they love about their mom or their dad. And then at the end of that 30 days, you've got an unbelievable gift for yeah. some point in what the future. What a great idea. That's an awesome idea. Yeah, pick up a, 
a 69 cent uh, composition notebook from Walmart and use that. You know, I mean, it doesn't have to be something fancy, but that's a really great, yeah. great idea. Can we give Shanti another round of applause? Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Books are out in the lobby. Shanti's going to be out on her t at her table if you have a question or two for her. Um, next week and the rest of the month of March, we're going to continue through uh, 30 days to a better relationship. Uh, I think next probably be over in the Bridge Kids Auditorium. So continue to join us on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock for uh, the rest of the series. Thank you so much for coming tonight, guys.